Hello and welcome to Elixir Talk, the podcast where we discuss your questions and stuff that's on our mind about the Elixir programming language and ecosystem. My name is Desmond Bowie, coming to you from Los Angeles, California, and I'm here with Chris Bell, who's sitting pretty in New York City. Ah, oh, that was nice. Great little intro. I just, I just, I just came out. I didn't think of that beforehand. Totally ad hoc. Love it. Yeah, that's how we do things here at Elixir Talk. We just make shit up as we go along. <laughs> just wing it week to week. <laughs> and then we publish retractions. Yep, exactly. Ask for uh, forgiveness and not permission in our case. And yes. So how's it going, Desmond? Well, it's, um, you know, it's definitely autumn here in LA. And people think that LA is sunny and warm all the time. And for the most part, it is. And it's funny that it can still be like 70 degrees, but there is a... There's a chill, a little, a little nip to the air, if you will. It's just, it's unmistakably autumn. And actually, uh, the other day marked my one-year anniversary of arriving in LA. Moved here a year ago. Pretty exciting. Doesn't that mean that it's nearly been a year since we started doing this? Yeah. Didn't you get the LinkedIn uh, notice for one year at Elixir Talk? No. Oh, I don't think I added it to my LinkedIn like you, Desmond. <laughs> well, I consider this sort of a job, even though we don't get paid. <laughs> We get paid with all of those lovely emails from our listeners and messages from our listeners. So we appreciate you all. And we do this for you. Actually, that's a good point. Thanks, everyone, for sticking with us yeah. uh, for an entire year of Elixir Talk. Wow. That's, yeah, it's kind of cool that we've been doing this for so long. I'm, I'm into it. And it's cool that you've been in LA for so long. So, yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons we started this was that I was moving to LA and we, we wanted to stay in touch. We couldn't rant about Elixir anymore, but now we have a whole platform to do it on where we can publish it to the outside world and it's even better. That's <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think, did we do our first episode when I was still in New York or had I already been No, no, here? I think you'd gone. I think you'd gone. I think if we listened to that first one, we make some kind of reference about it. So We should go back and listen to the first one sometime. See how far we've come. I know. It could be like when you read code that you wrote a year ago and you're like, oh, brother. Mine's always great. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Do you really? How nice. When? <laughs> the last code I wrote was a year ago, and I'm like, oh, wow, I remember <laughs> what that feels like. Uh, uh. Management jokes. <laughs> um, so I have to tell our listeners, so Desmond and I do a, uh, ha- a hangout, so we get to see each other while we do this podcast. Uh, it's not all audio. There's a visual element. And this is the first time I've ever seen Desmond without a mustache. And it's kind of blowing my mind still. I keep looking at you being like, who is that man that I'm talking to on the other end? So so for those of you who cannot see me right now, which is everyone except for Chris, <laughs> uh, I've had a mustache for about three years. And it's it had become sort of a part of my personality, I think, because I had long hair for a while, too. And I... I'm not ashamed to say it. I had sort of a bushy mustache. And I'll tell you, I didn't think, I didn't understand mustaches when I was a kid. I don't have a lot of hair in general. But I had um, a goatee for a while. And then just for fun one day, I, I shaved a mustache and then went to a concert. This is in New York a while back. And like three people stopped me and they were like, that's a nice mustache. And I was like, oh, I guess this is a thing that I could do. And maybe I should hang on to it for a while. So it sort of became my thing. And then um, recently I figured, oh, why not just shave it off, do something else. And like, people don't recognize me it's kind of funny yeah you look very different it's kind of blowing my mind so but uh yeah it's it's nice if you're on the run you know yeah just totally new look yeah it's very yeah it's not that instant to put it back though really is it that's the only problem with that no you got to grow it and then commit the crime 
Yeah. They, and, <laughs> and I don't think we should be telling people about how to do this. Um, but it does feel be good to be back doing this podcast because we took a few weeks off. Desmond was in Hawaii. Uh, and then before that, we were kind of both traveling as well. So, um, yeah, it's good to be back and doing this, man. It's been a few weeks. So not that our listeners know that because they receive such regular content. No, I think we took a couple of weeks off of the content. Oh, damn it. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We did. Yeah. But uh, Chris is right. We're glad to be back with you all as well. So, so yeah, what's new? What's new in what's the Elixir new? ecosystem? <laughs> what are talk about? Yeah. A 10-minute intro and then like five minutes of Elixir talk. So, I have been paying very close attention to Ecto-3. That's first uh-huh. up for me. Um, have you been reading the sneak peek blog post by Jose? Yeah, I read the first one about uh, the RC1. Nice, yeah. Came and out then last week. It does feel like um, it's a major version, but it doesn't feel like there's that many changes, which is good, you know? I think it, it shows a lot of maturity in the library. Um, they obviously did a few changes to break the Ecto repository apart. So Ecto and Ecto SQL are now separate uh, packages. So which, what do you think about that? Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you the same question, goddammit. Um, <laughs> no... <laughs> So I, I get it for the people who are using uh, Ecto just for like change set validations and stuff like that. Well, before we get into it, uh, let's tell our listeners a little bit about where that where that split happened. Yeah. So in Ecto 2, um, all of the SQL stuff and the change set stuff and everything else was all combined. Um, and what they've been doing with Ecto 3 is kind of separating out those two concepts so that if you want to use Ecto, but you're not actually using any kind of SQL, uh, like query builder or anything to do with like, you know, the translation of an Ecto query into a SQL string, you now don't have to bring that along. Um, so you can get rid of a whole load of baggage and a whole load of stuff that might not be relevant to your project, um, which is good. Slimmer dependencies are always a good thing. So this is something that Chris and I have talked about on the podcast before um, with the example of validating input from um, like on your APIs if you want to cast uh, random user supplied values um, to date times or to integers or whatever, you can use change sets for this. Uh, if you're wrapping foreign data that you're going to fetch, um, you can you can use custom schemas for that. Or if you have a piece of data that perhaps spans across a few database tables, then you can use um, Ecto schemas for that as well. So as we've reinforced before, Ecto is not just a like a database wrapper, like an active record. There's really several different uh, components to it, different ways you can use it. Darren Wilson has given a number of great talks at various Elixir conferences about Ecto. Recommend checking several of those out because there's many different ways you can use this library for um, different purposes. We can put a link in the show notes as well, right? We can. That. Yeah. No, and uh, I, so I think the change is probably good. It, it Honestly, like from a consumer perspective, if you're just going up from two to three and you still want to rely on all the SQL stuff, um, you can just, you, you basically just change the Ecto dependency to Ecto underscore SQL. I keep jumping between calling it SQL and SQL. <laughs> Um, that's probably really annoying, but I have never settled on how I pronounce it. What about you, Desmond? SQL. Well, Oof. I would say Ecto-SQL. You would? I'm trying to think. When I would say SQL, I think I've said that before. Well, mm. let's see. If I say it during this episode, call me out. 
I will. Now I will. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, the change seems really minimal here, which is good. I think nice separation, good improvement for users. Um, the other thing that I thought was cool was they're finally deprecating um, ecto.date, ecto.time, and ecto.datetime. Um, great, because I always felt like that introduced a lot of confusion. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I think there was uh, there was not a clear story about what is going on with dates and times in Elixir until very recently. And Ecto has been out for a while. It's one of the original projects in Elixir. And so they had to come up with their own solution. And it's nice to see that we're finally uh, cutting that off and moving towards uh, the unified uh, Elixir calendar types. Definitely. And what do you normally use? Are you like a calendar types guy or do you use like uh, one of the libraries built on top? Um, what do I use? I use Timex. Yeah, so do we. Do you use the Timex Ecto wrapper? Yeah. Or, yeah, so do we. I wonder, because under the hood now, that uses the um, calendar types from... Um, well, actually, yeah. no, I think that's wrong. Isn't... I thought that Elixir's datetime stuff was basically just structs to describe how they should be implemented, but with no implementation. And then those libraries themselves do it. Am I wrong about uh, that's that? a good question. So they just define an interface you're saying? I thought they established yeah. like I, th- no, I thought I they established I, wrong, uh, I could be wrong. low level native um, structures. Hmm. Um, Stand by while we research on the fly because we make <laughs> this shit up as we go along. We should definitely cut this bit out. Well, while you're researching that, I have a controversial opinion. Yes. And that is uh I don't know why we needed to separate the sequel part out from the rest of it. So I understand that it's totally cool to use a lot of this functionality that doesn't need to be backed by a database. Um, Not an uncommon use case. And okay, let's slim down the libraries a little bit. Do the libraries really need to be slimmed down, man? I mean, I think this is, you know, a big gray area that we can argue all day about. But I don't think having them as a single library adds a ton of overhead and now I think the majority of projects do use a database. And now I have to add two things into my mix file instead of one. And like, okay, Crimea River Desmond, I have to add two dependencies. At the same time, if that's the common use case and the overhead of my system is minimal, you know, what's the, like, why put me, the developer, to that trouble? It's not like, um, it's not like these uh, they're objects stored in memory, like if you have gems that increase your app's footprint, like it's just functions that never get called. Well, no, I guess it would open a database pool, a uh, uh, connection pool, would it? No, I don't, it, it doesn't have to if you don't configure the um, oh, repo. Oh, right. right. Yeah, that's just a Phoenix default is to set up a But you are right. I want, like, it is kind of the compiler's job to get rid of unused code, right? Yeah, and like my Elixir apps already have a pretty slim memory footprint, so... Mm. This is not like this have, is not a meaningful optimization to me. Yeah, but the thing is, is like the overhead is like literally the difference between between putting underscore SQL and not. And that's the it. overhead. The overhead for a developer to add this into their project. Yeah, like the the fact that they split these out. I'm I'm talking about from your perspective as a consumer of this change. Like all you have to do is change one line. Sure. Now I have two things that I have to keep up to date, though. No, no, I no. Mean, it's just one. You don't put Ecto and Ecto SQL because Ecto SQL depends on Ecto. 
So you only need to specify the uh, the, oh, like the I parent see. dependency. So honestly, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I just don't think it's that bad. I think, though, um, from the perspective of a newcomer to the language, uh, I think it would add some confusion. I'm trying to mm-hmm. I'm trying to hang by a thread here to justify my argument. <laughs> um, because, I mean, it does introduce cognitive load for the developer around like, all right, so am I using this thing with a database? Am I using it not with a database? Now I have to really understand the different parts of Ecto. And, okay, well, when would I want to use this not with a database? And I think to people like you and me, we know how this library works pretty well. We understand the different parts of it and which things we would want to use for certain use cases. If I'm just coming in, it's like, you know what? Just give me everything and then I'll figure it out as I go. So then now everyone is always using Ecto SQL. And then what's Ecto? Like, why is that one project instead of um, the structs and then the change sets and then the validators? It's not a bad point. I, I, I see where you're coming from. I... I think that the, like it does introduce some overhead and, and the question of like well what actually is Ecto is a really good one, um, but it's interesting how that's like I feel like that's always the question with Ecto. It's like what is like you know what does Ecto actually do? Because it does quite a lot of different things as well, right? It does. And um, if I pull up the Ecto GitHub page, the first thing it says is a database wrapper. And language integrated query for Elixir. Yeah, so all of that would presuppose the idea of SQL, pretty much, right? Yeah, like a very tight integration with a, a database back. Yeah. But then mm. I think we've seen, well, perhaps what uh, the maintainers have seen is that over time, like the different er, the different pieces have become useful in their own way, and it was architected in such a way that it was very easy to take mm-hmm. these different pieces and use them independently, which was cool. And now each of them is getting a life of its own. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I guess there's like the argument of like you can use Ecto with any source behind it as well, right? Like you could you could be writing an abstraction layer over a REST API effectively for Ecto. Yeah, or a CSV. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the SQL stuff, therefore, you know, you're bringing in a lot of baggage that you don't need and it's only relating to things to do with SQL databases rather than you know, whatever other sources you might want to use. Hmm. It does definitely signal more intent of like, oh, you know, because you could imagine there's like Ecto underscore something else, Ecto underscore third thing, you know? Sure. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm I'm fine. I'm like, I have, I don't have strong opinions. I'm going to circle back to this, ca- this date time thing because I have read the docs. I am now fully informed. I... Uh, now know that the Elixir standard library date-time implementation will only give you UTC. It will not give you anything to do with um, any other date-times because that relies on some kind of time zone database and Mm -hmm. Elixir doesn't currently bundle that. So the use case for Timex and the other libraries is A, like um, abstractions over the top of this and then B, uh, giving you those kind of date-times. So... Well, and to be honest, I put Timex in all of my projects. Me too, because like honestly, just like the diff functions and stuff are just so much easier. Oh yeah, to use. comparing yeah. date times, shifting yeah. date times, formatting date times, like 
every project needs this stuff. Yeah, I think I tried to do one without it, without any like, you know, like calendar as well, which is the other, uh, I think calendar was like the other date time library if I remember, but like Timex felt like it won eventually. Um, and it was just such a pain to do it without that, you know? So I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of Timex and yeah. I long may it rain. <laughs> well, actually, one of the folks on my team, uh, Chris Hildebrand, was just made one of the maintainers of Timex. So very cool. congratulations, Chris. Very, very cool. Good to hear that it's in the family. Yeah. So I feel sort of a personal connection, even though, you know, it's not me. It's Chris. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's it's cool because, yeah, like every project uses this uh, this library. It would be interesting to see um, what are the like necessary libraries in every elixir app like when you start up an elixir app what are the handful of depths that you always pull in i am if it's a if it's got anything to do with the database i'm like x machina all the way there's like basically timex x machina are my like two libraries i always 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 drop in and then like obviously ecto and phoenix if it's like a a web app with a db you know behind it Mm mm-hmm um, I don't always use Phoenix, but I will always use Poison. Oh, really? Wait, Poison? No, HTTP, HTTP Poison. Oh, HTTP Poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes so sense. So I can make external calls. I don't yeah. use the built-in Erlang stuff. Right. What? And then I don't think, I guess, yeah, it, you're right. You always like inevitably need like an HTTP library, but... I feel like this is one of those things, like, there isn't that much else that I normally drop in, like, just to start, but um, I'm trying to find, like, a recent toy project that I did uh, just to see what else I put in there, but I don't think there was too much else other than that. It's pretty much, like, keep it nice and... keep it slim, you know? Nice and tight. Yeah, and that that says a lot about the standard library, though, right? Uh, I think so, although we talked last time about how, um, like, Jose does strongly believe that he uh, we should not be putting things in the standard library, or at least the bar for putting them in should be extremely high, because once they're in, they're hard to take out, you have to maintain them, it's just, it's very expensive, and everything should be a dependency that even if, okay, we're always bringing in Timex, like, that's the appropriate step to take mm-hmm. rather than bundling it in and i believe the uh, rubric was do we need it to build elixir itself right no that makes sense and i guess like by that argument like a date time library that supports a time zone database you don't need that right now maybe you do in the future but like bringing in an external library when you need it makes sense in that case mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i just looked at one of my recent projects i was like it's like phoenix and ecto oh and yeah. like distillery yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got to put the thing somewhere. Yeah, although that seems like if 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 mixed releases happen, like we wouldn't even need that. It's kind of mm. cool. Very well, exciting. I think we're a little ways away from having distillery become. Well, but like, do you remember in like, uh, like I don't know, I mean, like I, I write a lot of JavaScript from time to time as well, and like the the dependencies that you have to add all the time there, it's just crazy. There's so many, but. Um, even in like Ruby land, I, I used to bring in so many like test helpers and things like that. Like even things to like format my test nicer. But like here, I'm just like, oh, whatever. I'll just deal with how it looks. Well, you also have the mix formatter. The mix formatter? 
Yeah, to change how your tests look. Oh, I've never done that. <laughs> you never run the formatter? <laughs> no. Oh, man. You gotta stop writing this JavaScript. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that was a thing, oh, man. Uh, tune in next time when Chris actually uses the Elixir language before the podcast. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you talking about the formatter as in the, like, formatting the test output or formatting the test, like, code? The source code. Is that what oh, you meant? Oh, no, no, no. I meant, like, formatting the, like, the dots that appear on the on your terminal. Formatting the dots that appear on my terminal. Yeah, to show, like, red or green. Uh, is that a thing that you have to explicitly do? Does it just do that? In like, I Can you turn to... the dots into something fun, like Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy? <laughs> yeah, dude, there was like a Nyan Cat one. Oh, I remember that. I had that for a while. Yeah, right? Oh, man, now those you, are now the you I can't. I, you're making me think that I didn't know something about the formatter or so some special thing. <laughs> but yes, I know what you're talking about with mixed format. Yeah, I still, you know, we still don't use that here. Are you serious? Yeah. Why? Because we love just bike shedding about like format. Oh, that's cool. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but we most of us just don't agree with how it looks, which is so <laughs> dumb. It's like literally the point in the formatter. You're right. Well, I'll be sure to get off your lawn the next time I'm in New York. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Well, um, did you look at any of the other things coming up in Ecto? I think the the union and uh, the, they, have, they added union except and intersect, which seemed useful. Yeah, um, I, there was some... Um, how do I describe this? It exposed more functionality of like the database itself, like arithmetic operators, um, some comparisons. So if you're leveraging database functionality in your queries directly, um, it lets you build that into your ecto fragments, which yes. is cool. Yeah. It's not something that I use a lot, um, but I've I've had a fetish for a while about using the database more, or just leveraging a lot of this functionality that is built into the database. Yeah, honestly, we have we have had to write a lot of custom SQL strings just because we had to break out of Ecto query language. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of these changes means that we won't have to do that. Like a good example for us is like we use coalesces from time to time. Yeah. Um, and now we don't have to do that anymore, which is really yeah. cool. Or having queries. Yeah. Uh, having clauses. Yeah, having clauses. Yeah. Um, and then the support for Windows, like Windows functions, um, which is confusing, but Windows cl window clauses inside of Ecto, which could be really useful. Mm -hmm. What's but a window? I, what's a window clause? Oh man, I knew you were going to ask that, and I knew that I wouldn't be able to remember off the top of my head. All right. Well, uh, while you're looking that up, I'll talk about. Um, you can also specify the schemas for the tables. Um, and my SQL doesn't have schemas, but Postgres does, uh, sort of famously. But if you create a database, the default schema is public. So if you're <clears throat> if you're on a PSQL console and you describe a table, it'll sometimes well, first of all, you describe schemas. But the table will always be prefixed by public. So public.users, public.accounts, whatever. And that's generally transparent to you when you're writing queries. And uh, either from the PSQL console or in your application. And I have never seen an app that used different schemas in their Postgres database. And honestly, I'm not sure when you would do that. And I don't know if we haven't been using it because we don't have that use case or because we don't have the tools to easily access that. But Ecto now lets you specify 
if you're using a different schema, um, what that schema is. Mm, that's clever. I I haven't had come across that use case either, so I'm not sure, but interesting. Um, I am still like not that much wiser on the, on Windows functions in Postgres. So if anyone wants to, I know. So I can read out the description, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I know what it is. So uh, just read it out for us. Okay, so. Um, a window function performs a calculation across a set of table rows that are somehow related to the current row. This is comparable to the type of calculation that can be done with an aggregate function, but unlike regular aggregate functions, the use of a window function does not cause rows to become grouped into a single output row. They retain their separate identities. So I'll link to a, a thing that talks about it because it does seem like useful, especially if you're doing uh, queries across multiple kind of mm. rows like that you need to do the aggregation so i thought at first it was going to be something similar to views like database views but mm -hmm. you went in a different direction i have you used views have you yeah yeah and uh, there's a, not extensively use, but... uh scenic in active record for that in the past no scenic like let you define uh, views in a, like an active record friendly format and then dealt with caching and invalidating of those for you. It was cool. Maybe we should have something like that. But I guess you could kind of do that because you could probably set a schema to be on a view or something. That's what cool. I was going to say. I think in Ecto, when you're defining a schema, you just give it the name of the view instead of the table and it should just work. I mean, you yeah. have to go into Postgres to describe the view and how it should be computed. Right, but then that can just be like, you know, you could write that on raw SQL and then just run it through the Ecto runner and have it on like a cron or something as well. So Yeah, I mean you'd probably define that in your migration. Yeah. And then it would yeah, yeah. it would Definitely. know how to update itself and so then you're just querying it with your schema. Yeah. Honestly, like my like my SQL knowledge has been so like ORM heavy or or like through the lens of an ORM the whole time that now when I have to write raw SQL I'm so bad at doing it. Well you'll notice that this whole time we've been saying SQL and not SQL. Oh, that's true. That's true. You're right. Well, if someone wants to come and teach us SQL, so yeah, SQL's cool. I think databases are cool. Controversial opinion again. Um, and I, I, I'm, I said this a little earlier, but for a while I've wanted to like use databases more. Like I'm most familiar with Postgres, so I'll talk about that. But features like triggers are super interesting um you know views are pretty interesting and they have a lot of i mean foreign data wrappers like that's cool you can define a native type that you can define like some shape of data that you get from an external data source and postgres will interpret it as a native type like all these features are pretty powerful and we end up re-implementing them in our code and perhaps it's easier to express in code I have no doubt that it's much more performant to do it at the database level. Right. And uh, I've, I've wanted to get involved with that more at some point on a project, and it just hasn't come up. I mean, I always reach for the tools that I know, which is doing an application code. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, we use it quite, we use the database a lot here, but there's definitely a lot more we could be doing. And it, it's cool that, you know, we have this whole toolkit that we can start accessing and Ecto's given us a nice powerful way to start doing that. Well, and now we'll have to do that through Ecto SQL. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Uh, and on that note, I 
think we should wrap. We're about at time. So that sounds good. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening to another yeah. awesome episode of Looks Talk. Definitely. It was awesome to record. I don't know if it was awesome to listen to. Well, hopefully people enjoy it. So if you have any comments about the show, you can get in touch with us uh, via our website, which is elixirtalk.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash elixirtalk. Or you can hit us up on GitHub, which is github.com forward slash elixirtalk forward slash elixirtalk. There's a lot of Elixir Talks there. That's so right. as always, uh, all of your ratings would be really appreciated. Jump into wherever you listen and hit that rate button. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening as well. And uh, keep, keep Elixir, elixir in. <laughs> Every time. <laughs>